Hello and welcome to your San Diego News Fix. I'm Abby Hamblin filling in for Christy Totten. Today we'll talk to San Diego government reporter David Garrick about an analysis on how arts funding is distributed and whether it's done equitably. Then, Deputy Editorial and Opinion Director Matthew T. Hall will share the editorial board's view of the City of San Diego's efforts to lease the 48 acres of land it owns around the Pachanga Arena to developer Brookfield Properties. First, the news. La Mesa City Council member Dr. Akila Weber will be heading to Sacramento as the new assembly member from California's 79th district. With nearly all ballots counted on Friday, Weber had won 51.97% of the vote, meaning there's no need for a runoff election. Republican business owner Marco Contreras followed Weber in the results with 33.43% of the vote and conceded on Friday. Weber joins the assembly in the seat held by her mother, Dr. Shirley Weber, for a decade. Shirley Weber was sworn in as California's Secretary of State in January. Two small groups of Sempra Energy stockholders are calling on the company to issue a report on how its assets and lobbying activities align with the Paris Climate Agreement. Calvert Research and Management and the Putney School Inc. Endowment are the two groups that have asked for this report. The groups say investors lack sufficient information about whether Sempra is in sync with the Paris Agreement's goals. The company's board of directors says Sempra already provides adequate information about its sustainability efforts and is urging its shareholders to vote no on a meeting about the proposal on May 14th. The Old Globe Theater in Balboa Park has announced that it hopes to bring back live entertainment to its outdoor stage as soon as early June. The theater's artistic director said the first shows back might feature a small cast of just a few actors, depending on seating protocols and other factors related to production. The last time the Globe held a performance in front of an audience on its outdoor stage was the closing night of Romeo and Juliet on September 15th, 2019. The City of San Diego released a recent analysis of arts funding that was initiated to look for funding gaps, troubling trends, or possible inequities. The city has an $11.4 million arts budget that is distributed throughout San Diego's nine city council districts. David Garrick, our San Diego government reporter, is here to explain its findings. Thanks for joining NewsFix. Thanks for having me. So what is the city's art budget meant to be used for generally? Like, does it pay salaries, venues? Where does it go? Yeah, it's for programs and, and, and events, basically an event like a parade or an event like a show or for programming, like a library has the, you know, a, a, a kids reading programs. Um, and so it can cover salaries. It can be used to pay for equipment. It can be used to pay for set design. It's, it's pretty flexible. And one key element to mention is that a lot of these groups use this as a donation to get more matching funds. So if they lose this money, they also might lose matching funds they might get from philanthropy or the state or federal. So it's a big deal to these groups. Definitely. So how much money even goes toward this arts funding compared to the rest of what the city spends? Yeah, it's relatively a small drop in the bucket. It's about $11.4 million a year. At its height, it was maybe $15 million before it's been cut a little bit the last few years. And the city's annual budget is the operating budget is like $1.6 billion. So it is a really, really small part. Uh, but San Diego is a giant city. 11.4 million would be a big part of the budget in Solana Beach or Coronado or one of those cities. But because San Diego is so gigantic, it's a relatively small part of its budget. 
So let's dig into the numbers. The analysis found that District 3 gets nearly 70% of this money. What is the explanation for that? Yeah, that's the big news. The big news, one out of nine council districts gets 60, 69, 70% of the money. That seems crazy. But then when you look at it, it's not that crazy because it just makes sense for cities to have sort of central magnets for arts like a symphony hall and a civic theater and a row of museums in Balboa Park. San Diego is not the only city to have that. Most cities don't have their museums spread evenly throughout the city. They're generally together in a large group, right? And so it makes sense for the city to have sort of an arts magnet area. It happens to all be in District 3. So it's not crazy. On the other hand, 69% still seems like it might be a little high. You know, maybe there should be more in District 3, but 69% is a lot when there's nine council districts for one to have that much concentration. So the city has decided they would like to analyze it and figure out is this fair? Is this not fair? Where are there maybe troubling trends? Where might there be inequities? So the city's decided to really thoroughly comprehensively analyze where the money goes geographically and how it gets spent. Yeah, so for those who don't know or don't live there, District 3 is the home of Balboa Park, downtown, Hillcrest, Little Italy, Old Town, North Park, some of those neighborhoods. So council member Vivian Moreno in District 8 said that the data doesn't lie and that this analysis is a step in the right direction. What else have you heard in response to uh, what this analysis found? And was the funding already in question before the analysis was done? Uh, no, I mean, the funding, like I said, it used to be about 14 or 15 million in the last few years because the city's been struggling a little bit. It's gone down about 11.4 million. Um, uh, basically, I, as far as I know, the funding is going to stay at 11.4 million. But the, the question was, hey, how I mean, San Diego is taking a new equity lens to pretty much every program. You know, are the, are the libraries adequate in the poor areas of San Diego? Districts 4, 8, and 9 are south of uh, Interstate 8. And historically, they've been sort of underserved districts where they don't have as many sidewalks. The roads aren't paved as well. They have smaller libraries. They have less parks. So the city's been focused on this equity. They already were focused on it, but then in the wake of the George Floyd protests, I think they've become even more focused on it. They've created an Office of Race and Equity under Councilwoman Monica Montgomery Stepp, um, and Vivian has been a big part of it, and Sean Elo Rivera, also a councilman from District 9. Uh, they've been very focused on this issue. And this sort of, this, uh, this analysis of arts funding sort of dovetails with that new focus on it. Um, and so the city did a map about a year ago saying, here's where the arts money goes. This year they've done the second map, and they're comparing it and they're really taking a deep dive on, okay, are there inequities? If there are, why do they exist? Are they justified? So that's the idea behind it. Um, I, don't, I don't know if any particular organization will get cut or if the size of the pie will shrink. The question is, we've got this pie of money, we're doling it out. We wanna make sure we're doing it appropriately from an equity perspective. So who makes the decision for where this money goes and do you foresee some changes being made uh, based in the grand scheme of the whole budget? That's a great question. I mean, the city could, could maybe do almost anything, but the Commission on Arts and Culture is a city agency. You apply to them. Uh, it's a complicated application process. You apply to them and then they make decisions. Um, I've never covered that firsthand. So that's what I understand the process to be. Um, so I don't know how controversial it is. I don't know if you get a chance to appeal or object, but I haven't heard, I think I would get emails as a reporter saying we got screwed and I haven't gotten those over the years. Um, so, but the question is, is the Commission on Arts and Culture, have they put together the right, the right process? And even if it's a fair process, do folks in neighborhoods maybe where English is a second language or where they don't have friends at City Hall or where they're not connected to the uh, wider arts community in San Diego, do they maybe understand the process? Are they intimidated by the process? 
Is the process exclude them in some way because they don't go to coffee with a bunch of people from Balboa Park twice a week? You know what I'm saying? And so the idea is maybe is who you know playing too large of a role and who ends up getting these grants. That's possible. No one knows for sure if that's the case. That's possible. So the city wants to examine maybe trends that maybe would make it look like that could be happening and then try to fix it. So anything else that really stood out to you from this analysis or that you'll be watching going forward on this issue? I think this is a fascinating one, like I said at the beginning, because you know it, it makes sense for every district to have equal amount of libraries and equal amount of municipal pools and equal amount of roads. But with arts, it is just a different element. I mean, for the, let's use the traveling uh, company of rent. It doesn't make sense for them to come and play in a theater with 60 seats. They have to have 2000 seats for it to make financial sense. So a city needs to have a large theater for, for it to attract those shows. And that can only be in one place. Now, maybe you could argue that that theater should be in San Ysidro or it should be in City Heights, but it is in downtown, right? And it only makes sense for that theater to be you know, in, in one spot. And so part of the inequity, clearly it does make sense. The question will be how much of it. And that's the interesting thing for the city to investigate. Now let's turn to opinion. Matthew T. Hall is Director of Editorial and Opinion at the San Diego Union-Tribune. Matthew, welcome to NewsFix. Great to be here. On Tuesday, the California Department of Housing and Community Development released guidelines saying that the Surplus Land Act applies to local agency property that is for lease. That means the city of San Diego's efforts to lease 48 acres of land it owns around Pachanga Arena, commonly known as the sports arena, to Brookfield properties could be in trouble. The guidelines imply that San Diego should have offered the Midway District site to affordable housing builders before asking for interest from developers like Brookfield Properties. Matt, today's editorial on the sports arena development project struck a nerve with aides of former mayor Kevin Faulkner. What did the editorial say? What are the aides saying? And why are they so upset? Yeah, it's been a fun day here at the Word Factory. Um, the editorial was a short editorial that made the point that this is yet another, in our view, yet another um, real estate debacle that should fall uh, on the shoulders of Mayor Kevin Faulkner because it occurred on his watch. Obviously, there are a number of uh, real estate deals, starting with 101 Ash Street, um, that have um, fallen under scrutiny and, and become embroiled in scandal. And this is the latest. It's kind of a wonky situation where we have this new state law and people are trying to figure out whether or not it applies. But the long and the short of it is, and what the editorial pointed out was that, you know, it's the mayor's job when he's pulling the trigger on a land deal to know um, uh, what's going to happen and to realize when there's a question mark. Uh, and so we were just trying to make that point and, and pinning the blame on him and his aides, both his the aides that are working with him in his gubernatorial campaign and some of the aides who worked for him when he was mayor have criticized us, called us, called me personally, uh, slow-witted, called the editorial nonsense, um, you know, uh, and that's fine. They're entitled to their opinion. Uh, I don't think it was nonsense. I think that if you're running a gubernatorial campaign complaining about the incumbents management skills and ability to get the job done, you should be able to say, I have a track record of getting the job done and having good management skills. And clearly the real estate deals um, show that he, he's bungled things, not just once, but several times. So what happens now with this project? 
Great question. Uh, it's still, uh, it, it, there are some question marks around it, but um, it, it still could result in a pretty cool project um, for San Diego that would um, upgrade a sports arena, which obviously is a historical icon in San Diego. It's been around for decades and people have gone to a lot of shows and sports, sporting events there. Um, but it could also bring in housing and, um, you know, the, the, the progress is slow when it comes to big projects in San Diego. We all know that there are th threats of lawsuits every time someone has a big idea. There are um, dots, uh, you know, I's to, to be dotted and T's to be crossed. And so I think that we have to figure out now what, whether uh, affordable housing will be a part of this and how much uh, of, a of a proportion it, it'll, it'll, it'll take. Um, uh, and so, you know, it, things take time and, and we're in the taking time section of this project right now. Yeah, so the sports arena, as you mentioned, you know, a well-known uh, location and a well-known project that's been kind of under scrutiny for a while now. Has the editorial board taken a position on the project previously? Um, we have not. We There was a, a kind of a precursor development where voters in San Diego were asked to, to get rid of the height limit over the sports arena so that you could build up and, and make the the deal pencil out in a better way. We supported waiving that height limit, eliminating that height limit for this part of town, um, and that measure passed. Um, and we we took a position that the ex mayor Faulkner, who we were talking about a second ago, shouldn't be involved in this decision because of other real estate um, um, fiascos he was involved in. The board said, you know, let let punt this one to the next mayor and council. And the, the next mayor and council should be involved in making this decision because it is a big decision that affects a lot of people. Uh, you know, There'll be new housing and traffic uh, uh, effects and obviously climate change effects. And so you know, it, it seems to us at the time that the, that the next group of politicians should handle this. Obviously the mayor um, kept his foot, uh, you know, pedal, pedal to the metal as it were. Uh, and, and here we are now with a with a big question mark around the project. Right. So it's now known, as we said, as Pachanga Arena. Uh, it's on Sports Arena Boulevard. It's had many, many years of uh, movie appearances and great shows coming through sporting events. As a fun Friday afternoon question, what's the best show you've seen uh, in that arena? Ah, tough, 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 uh, tough question. Um, I re finally remember a Neil Diamond show that my wife and I went to um, and sat after the stay uh, off to the side and, and got to see him. And obviously being originally from Boston where um, one of his songs has become ingrained in the culture at Fenway Park, it was a fun show to see. He, pu he puts on a great show and that venue gets uh, kind of a lot of criticism for it being so old, but it's still a pretty cool spot to see a show. Um, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with Alicia Keys, uh, just an amazing performer, and I'm a big fan of her, so it's cool to see her so uh, close by. Also, well, she for... lives here now, right? Doesn't she have a house in La Jolla? <laughs> yeah, she does, actually, and it's on Instagram all the time, so I think she actually hangs out in San Diego a lot. Um, okay, Matt, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Abby. I appreciate it. To learn more about these stories and read them online, go to SanDiegoUnionTribune.com or check out our app in your app store. I'm Abby Hamblin, and this has been your San Diego News Fix.